fans, welcome once again to the Vegas Hockey Podcast. We are back after a week off. Today we're going to bring in Dan Harrison to talk a little bit about the Tampa Bay Lightning. We're going to kick off the show going down the Vegas lane, look back at the week that was in Vegas Golden Knights hockey, uh, preview a few of the playoff matchups they might, I stress, might be coming up against if they make the playoffs. Um, and we're going to go around the league, break down the Eastern and Western Conference races, see who's in, who's out, and all that good stuff. Hang on, we'll be right back. All right, I am Mark Warner, host of the Vegas Hockey Podcast, as always, along with Chris Lisa, my co-host out on Long Island. Um, Chris, good day to you, sir. How are things out there? We're doing well. We're doing well. Glad to be back. And, um, uh, you know, I know it wasn't a great week for the Knights, but uh, it will be interesting these last couple weeks of the regular season. I think they're going to have – it's going to be – you know, it's not easy from the standpoint of pretty much they're going to win the division – they're not going to catch Nashville, um, so they're going to be the two seed. But when they play, like last night, a team like Minnesota or early in the week, like a team like the Devils, who are, you know, making want to make sure they make the playoffs and desperate hockey teams, um, they're going to they're going to be bringing it. So, um, um, and, you know, so they're going to maybe that will be a lesson learned from this from this past week for the for the night. Well, I was all set to come in and talk about the winning four out of five on an East Coast trip, and they come home and and what doesn't lend itself to that kind of conversation. They've lost four in a row at home. Obviously, two two sandwiched around um, the really good road trip they went on. Let's face it. But since the since the trade deadline, and I wanted to get your take on this, Chris. The Knights are four and six going back to the two losses home and home against the Kings. Um, Their worst 10-game stretch of the season. Keep in mind, though, James Neal missed all but one of those games. He came back last night. Shea Theodore, Nate Schmidt, and Lucas Bisa missed the majority of those games. I think Schmidt and Theodore. Schmidt just came back, and Theodore came back on the road trip. Also, so that's your basically. It's arguably those are your top three defensemen. Okay, Neil's Neil's out. Then you you drop Riley Smith. You drop uh, Lindbergh in that first Kings game. Uh, hasn't played since. At the trade deadline, you traded Brendan Leipzig, and and while he wasn't really scoring goals, his speed would back the defense off and let that third line get into the offensive zone and and create time and possession in that offensive zone. Uh, creating chances for Tuck and Eakin and, and whoever else was on that line. So you're looking at at seven, eight guys that have been out or, or traded or gone for that 10-game stretch. Uh, Thomas Hika came up, and not to mention Malcolm Subban, who's been injured for those 10 games. Uh, Flurry's had to hold down the net, and it, that that worries me going to the playoffs because you don't want to burn thir- Flurry out headed down the stretch. But you're looking at almost 160, 170 man games lost due to injury, and it's spread out throughout the lineup. It's your your top your top line forward Riley Smith missed four or five games now. James Neal second line 
He missed all 10 of those games except last night. You go down Lindbergh and Leipzig split time on that third line. I didn't even mention Will Carrier and Pierre-Edouard Belmar, who missed the – Carrier's still out, and Belmar's only been back for a couple of games now, and that messes up your fourth line. So it's not like you've dropped one line and you plug in the guy that comes up from the AHL and the rest of the lines remain the same. And then at the trade deadline, you bring in Ryan Reese, who's sort of a different style of player than what they're used to having on their roster. And they made the move for Thomas Tatar, who's been bounced between the first line, second line, third line, and hasn't really found a groove in any chemistry with any line mates yet because he's playing with a different group of guys every night. So I'm not ready to press the panic button on this team simply because when you start the the goal right now is to get healthy Um, but I was wondering what I wanted to ask you Chris was obviously there's injuries and obviously every team has to go through them Um, I'm wondering if the Reeves and Tatar acquisitions kind of kicked off a little bit of and I don't want to say bad chemistry but you know new face new place up and down the lineup and how much that affects it, and how much is it, like you said, the teams teams below them in the standings in their respective divisions are still fighting for playoff spots, or is it kind of the perfect storm at the wrong time for this Golden Knights team? I think it's kind of a perfect storm uh, in terms of the, the teams that are playing the three weeks to go, three weeks and change to go, playing, you know, everything's on the line for them. Um you know, combination of, you know, that's a lot of injuries, both big and small, and, and in all different ways that you mentioned as well. Now, the other thing I yeah. would throw out there is, you know, keep in mind that last couple of weeks, even though they, you know, like you said, they did great on the on that road trip, but, you know, they went to uh, predominantly, I believe it was the East Coast. And, you know, so there's been a lot of travel miles under their legs. So even though they did well Good there, point. that could have had a that could have had a little bit of effect by the time that they came home. So, when you get all that, uh, and 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 the real and the reality is, you know, in a long season, you're going to have uh, these kind of stretches. Miraculously, they really haven't had uh, that, you know, that bad. I think at the beginning of the year when they went on that long road trip, but then they came back and and won a whole bunch of games. So probably in that ten game span, uh, I think they went one four and one maybe. I want to say in that that beginning that late October uh, yeah. road trip. But other than that, they really uh, haven't had, quote-unquote, a bad stretch. And, you know, four and six, well, it's nothing to write home about. It's not it's not god-awful. So I think they're fine. I mean, it's it's uh, it's going to, you know, it's going to be interesting to me. Like, I mean, I have no idea. I think we, the last show we had Chris Wass on, and I think he said it perfectly when he said he just has no idea. Neither good or bad. What to expect from Vegas in the playoffs? And um, I kind of feel the same way. We have to see what the matchup is. And right now, uh, good luck uh, trying to guess who that that's going to be. I, the one thing I will say about that is, I would like to see them play either a combination, not one of these teams that is kind of a veteran team and that has a really strong goalie. I mean that. Like so, you know, San Jose, My Kings, for instance, of the first, your your Kings, Dallas would be another team, Anaheim. You know, I'd like to see them play, you know, Colorado or or right. maybe Calgary or 
Well, Minnesota's a little nerve nerve wracking too. So I mean, they're going to get a tough series. Let's face it, whoever it's going to yeah. be in that first round, and it's all pretty much cemented that Nashville is going to be the one seed. So they're going to get the they're going to get the number one wild card. So if the season were to end today, that would be Colorado, which actually would be favorable, in my opinion. Uh, yeah, play that's Colorado, probably the best match. Although Colorado's been right. unbelievable at home this year, so whatever that's yep. worth. Uh, well, the way but, it sits right yeah, now, I, as far I, as that goes, um, the their Knights are fourth overall, uh, not catching Nashville. You look over your shoulder, and Winnipeg's only one point back. But that's still, if if the season ended today, and it's a cliche this time of year, um, it's locked in. The Knights would have home ice for the first and second rounds. Um, if Winnipeg right. passes them, that means Nashville and Winnipeg are on a collision course. So, you, I mean, that's going to be the the second round matchup in in the divisional round, if you will. And then, well, assuming I wouldn't, that, I wouldn't as much as I've been high on Winnipeg, I would be a little nervous about Winnipeg, that young team in the first round of the playoffs, playing let's say someone like uh, someone like Minnesota. I'd be a little. I feel a little nervous about that series. From a one, I think that 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 definitely has uh, a potential for upset there. Uh, to say the right, least. but 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 my point was that that they won't lose home ice to either Winnipeg or Nashville oh, no. until they until you see the conference finals if they get that far. The the teams that may are in front of them in Nashville or may pass them in Winnipeg. Um, the way the, the they don't reseed for for those of you listening that that aren't you know longtime hockey fans and aren't aware of how the the playoff seeding works they do not reseed going into the second round it's it's one eight two seven and then in the second round the divisional opponents left play each other so Vegas wouldn't lose home ice until that conference final if they get that far and like you said the Playing a veteran team like the Kings, the Ducks, or the Sharks, which is a divisional team also, um, in that first round, you, you kind of hope that doesn't happen as far as the Knights go. Um, like you said, that right now they're matched up against Colorado, which out of the teams that are there might be their most favorable matchup. But then you get to the second round, and, and you're going to be looking right now, it's either the, the Sharks or the Kings, and that's going to be a, a, tough, uh, a tough plate of cookies for the Knights right there. Yeah, you just hope that's a war that first that first uh, that first series. No, no for sure, guaranteed guaranteed anything. So maybe we should start there since we've been talking about the West race right now. You have Minnesota in the third spot in the Central. You got your Kings in the third spot in the Pacific, uh, and then the one wild card's Colorado at eighty four. Dallas is also at eighty four, but Colorado has a tiebreaker. And then Anaheim, as crazy as this is, if the season were to end today, they're they're out of the playoffs, but they're only three points out of second place in the Pacific. Tie with the Kings <laughs> in point. Kings have the tiebreaker. Uh, and then you got Calgary and St. Louis. Calgary at 80 and St. Louis at 79. And it may not sound like a lot of points that they're behind, but with only basically teams it's getting late in the game. You know, 9, 10, 11 games left in left to go about three net three over three weeks or so no i think yes it is three weeks right it's it's three weeks yeah uh from tomorrow so those teams really have to go on a run i mean uh, i think calgary's played i want to say 72 games 
so they have like ten games left. I mean, if you're Calgary, you you gotta you gotta figure you gotta go eight and two if you want to make the playoffs. And same thing for St. Louis. I mean, you're gonna have to put up a. And I'm not sure of those teams who they match up with. Uh, I would I would think, especially Calgary, that they have a game or two left with the Ducks or or the Kings or the or the Sharks, but. Um, those teams are uh, they're they're in serious condition serious condition as they say uh, even though it doesn't seem like they're that many points behind it but um, and even a team Calgary's like Dallas, got, that, uh, you know, Dallas Calgary's got the Knights tomorrow the Ducks the Sharks okay. the Kings all in the next week and then they finish That's with week. W- finish with Winnipeg and and the Golden Knights and in, in between you have well, the Columbus pretty- game. Most of the games, well, five at home. So to go eight and two with, uh, you've got Arizona in there. You've got a uh, another. Well. You got two against two against Arizona. Um, but that, then all the other. They're playing like they care. Yeah, they're playing one well. game playing against best hockey of the year. Everyone else on that schedule is in the playoffs. So to go eight and two on that, so they'll they- earn their way in. If they get it. Well, the thing is, the way you said they finished with Winnipeg and Vegas, those that kind of like at the last weekend, if you will. You know, at that point, those two teams might be resting everybody because they may not have anything to play for. Kind of, you know, the guys with the bumps and the bruises. Uh, so, but uh, they might be. They may not matter at that point for for Calgary. And like I said, look at Dallas. Uh, um, they're. You know, they're basically a, an ROW tiebreaker ahead of Anaheim. I mean, they're tied in points, but uh, right. I believe that's why they're in. So uh, it is uh, it, it is a little uh, nerve-wracking, and it's a, it's a free-for-all in the West. The East is a little bit easier to, to figure out from the standpoint of it's a game of musical chairs with, let's see, with one, two, three, with four teams. And when the the music stops in three weeks, one team's going to be without a chair. I mean, you got Philly at 81, third in the Metro. Columbus also at 81, uh, but Philly has the tiebreaker as of today. So, but so Columbus is the number one wild card, and then you got Jersey at 80 as the number two wild card, and then you got uh, the Florida Panthers at 77. But and this is a big but would it be? Florida has three games in hand on both Philly and Columbus and two games in right. hand on New Jersey. So let's just say, you know, if they can win, you know, the the two games in hand on New Jersey, let's just say hypothetically, they would they would leapfrog over New Jersey. So uh, I mean, again that that now on the on the negative side, that means they have uh, a lot more hockey games to play these late, last three weeks. So um uh, in, in a short span of time, but they've got an easy schedule too, sir. They've got. Uh, well, who do they have? Give it, give it to me. Who do they have left? Okay, teams that that they're playing: the Edmonton, not in the playoffs. Montreal, Ottawa, not yeah, in the playoffs. They got Columbus. They're in. Arizona out. Oh. Islanders out. Toronto in. Ottawa out. Then they have a Boston game, obviously a tough one. But then Carolina. Then you have Nashville, Boston, and they finish with Buffalo. So what is that? Seven teams they have left that aren't even in the playoffs right now. So they have a. Not only do they have games in hand, technically on paper their their strength of schedule left might be one of the best in the league. 
Yeah, no, you, I, I, I actually think uh, the team that's going to lose out is it's going to be the Philly or the Devils. I think that's uh, Columbus seems to have righted the ship a bit, um, playing better. Um, I, I would be a little concerned with the, I would uh, the team one of those teams. I think it's going to either be Philly or or the Devils are are going to be the team that's going to just miss out by you know, a point or two. Yeah, well, Philly came out of the All-Star break on fire, but then they kind of fell off the cliff with, uh, I'm looking at it now, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, nine losses in their last 11 games. That's brutal. So yeah. I, if, if out, of the, out of those two, I think New Jersey's trending up, and I'd say Philly needs to find out uh, – you know, they brought in Morassic at the deadline, and, and it doesn't look like he's done much to help him out down the stretch here. Um, I think if I was a Philly fan, I'd be a little bit worried about their recent trend uh, in play. They have – I'm looking at their schedule down the road. They've got – it's kind of tough. Um, they've got a Carolina tonight who – might have shot themselves in the foot being up 4-1 against Boston earlier in the week and losing that game 6-4. to That was a big game for them. Um, Capitals, Detroit Rangers, then Pittsburgh, Dallas, Colorado. That Pittsburgh, Dallas, Colorado is all on the road against hungry teams that want to either move up in Pittsburgh's case or move in in Dallas and Colorado. And then they finish Boston, Islanders, Carolina, and the Rangers. So that's that's a tough road for Philly to hoe, too. Yeah, no, I I think it's going to be between them and the Devils in terms of uh, one of them is out and Florida's in. I think so. With the, that... the way Florida's playing, their schedule, the games they have in hand. I mean, yeah, I, I, you gotta like the, you gotta like their chances of uh, of getting in. And you mentioned Carolina there, and we should spend a little bit of time here. I mean, it happened uh, right before la- last week when we didn't, have, didn't didn't do a show, but you know, Ron Francis out now. I mean, a little surprising that. Yeah, I don't. That I don't get that. Now, yeah. Um, I mean, I know that they haven't made the playoffs in the last few years, but they've been trending upwards. Right. Uh, he's he's done a real good job of acquiring uh, talent. I think he's drafted really well. Um, he's you know the total line move with Chicago was a brilliant move. He got him for. Basically, cap space. I, you know, I I know they got the new owner yard. in there, and yeah, so I know they got the right. new guy in there, and he's uh, old gun ho, and you know, yeah. So you don't know, and you got to figure the coaches, unless they go on a miraculous. I mean, we didn't mention them in the playoff race. I mean, they're at seventy-one points. I mean, they would just yeah, basically that's... almost have to win out the rest of the way uh, to have a shot. And they've got. Seven games not left on the road, too. Not gonna yeah, happen. Yeah, not gonna happen. I mean, Sorry, Carolina I mean, fans. Yeah, not, not a bad thing, though. So you you know, they're, they're they're coming. You got. I think I think he's doing the right thing you know, there, though, I, right? I, you got to be fiscally responsible. Yeah. I mean, you can't go out and and throw truckloads of money at people if you're in the Carolina market. But the moves that he did make so far seem to have worked out pretty good for the franchise. And maybe you're a couple of pieces away. You pick him up in the off season. You have a good draft, and next year you're, you know, maybe you're right where Philly is right now or New Jersey, and and fighting for that last playoff spot. And you got a couple of top kids 
knocking on the door like a Martinikas from last year was one of the top prospects in ha- hockey or or like a Jake Bean uh, on the blue line. Or maybe you move one of those other defensemen and get another scoring, proven scoring forward uh, from your blue line. So you got to figure that the, the coach is also probably going to be dead man walking as well. So uh, it's going to be interesting to see once the season ends. It'll be interesting to see what they do there. I, I read a little tidbit today about Bill Guerin, who's in the front office over there. I'm sure he's going to get a lot, a number of interviews for teams who uh, who let go of their GM. Uh, but, you know, this uh, again, if you're a GM, you're going to want to do your homework on this owner as well. Um, but, yeah, I, I, I just thought, you know, I know he's still in the organization, Ron Francis, although I don't know what his say is, but uh, I, I just thought that was, you know, I, I, again, I, I think the guy's done a good job. It, it was going to take right. some time, and now they're kind of on the cusp. They're also in a killer division to boot, and um, I, I just thought that was uh, not a smart move personally. But change, and who knows what this guy's going to do. I mean, he might want to, you know, do a couple of sexy moves and maybe trade away some of these prize young uh, players that they have both on the main roster or in the pipeline. I, I don't know. Don't know this guy from Adam. So, uh, you know, we're going to have to keep an eye on, on Carolina uh, between now and, uh, and the offseason. Yeah, well, I don't think Ronnie Francis is going to have trouble finding a job. I thought he was doing a good job at a, you know, in a, in a tough market and with a limited budget. And, yeah, you know, for for what he had, you know, he did the best he could with what he had to work with. Let's put it that way. Um, so I, I think Ronnie Francis, if he wants to in the offseason interview, um, I think I think he could move on pretty easily. Um, yeah, the, I, that was a head scratcher for me. I didn't say like when when Florida let Jar Galant go uh, after two fantastic seasons in Florida. Sometimes you just don't get what guys are thinking because you're not going to take a team who's been perennially out of the playoffs for years and years. And it seemed like maybe before last season, they bring in Justin Williams and, and a, a couple other pieces. They've been drafting well. You've got to wait for the kids to mature. Um, you're not going to do that and win the Stanley Cup in you know, one season's time. You have to you have to let these things mature and percolate and simmer. It's like when you make a good sauce, you got to let that stuff simmer for a little bit and all the ingredients got to mesh up, gel together with each other. And that's when you get the full impact of, of what you've created. And I don't think Ron Francis was given the opportunity to uh, taste that sauce, put it that way. Yeah. Like I said, I think, uh, I think they're, they're right on the cusp. And like I said, the division is brutal. Um, so I, again, we don't know this new owner from Adam. Well, you know, we'll see. We'll see what kind of GM he hires. We'll see what you know who's going to be interested. I mean, it, it's a great job on. It's a great job from the standpoint of the talent in the organization. But you know, what direction is the owner going to demand that they go in? And you think he, you think he would have sat back a little bit. You know, he just bought the team. I want to say back in February, late January. I think you want to sit back more and let the things play out um, by the end of the year and see where we're at, where they were at. But if I was the coach, uh, I would pretty much have my bags packed. 
<laughs> well, let's not let's not send anybody down the road just yet. But you figure when you bring I mean, in I'm a new GM, he deserves he, to be. He, I'm not saying he right, right. I know he doesn't deserve to be far, fired. But let's face it, too. If you're going to hire a GM, though, you got to let your GM. He's going to bring in his guy. No, for sure. Yeah, and and you got to do that in all sports. So uh, you got you got to figure that. Although maybe the new G, the, whoever the new GM is going to be, big fan of this coach. But I got a funny feeling that this owner is going to want a new coach. Right. Well, we got a few minutes before Dan Harrison joins us to talk about a little bit of Tampa Bay Lightning today. He's our featured guest. I wanted to ask you, Chris, too. Um, it, Looks, we didn't mention the New York Islanders in in the playoff race uh, in the Eastern Conference. Assuming that they're going to get Tavares re-signed, what's your wish list? And and if you have the if you have an article out on uh, ionisles.com, uh, I'll give you a chance now to to talk about your latest release a little bit. But I was wondering what your wish list would be uh, for the Isles. Do they need to? Are they a goaltender away? I mean, goaltending has been one of the weaknesses on this club this year. Um, Do do they need to bring in a a solid number one goaltender and put put every put that to rest in the off season? Yeah, I mean, I I don't. I I, not that the goaltending. I don't want to go on a limb and say the goaltending has been super. It's definitely been better since since the new year, but the amount of uh, you know, they have to play better as a team defensively, both uh, from the blue line and as well as and I'm playing a lot of young defensemen as well as the forwards. So uh, I have to say it's been, you know, as good of a year as, you know, I agree it was a half year as Doug Wade had last year. And I would say the first two months of this season, he, he I, I would give him a grade of an A. But since, the the middle of December, I'd have to give him the grade of an F. I mean, he really has not the the team has not adjusted well. Um, so he's he's had a, he's had a rough go of it as the team has. The team was in great position, playing well uh, the first two months of the year, and when the schedule was very difficult, ironically, um, and it seems like everything fell apart. Uh, from the moment they lost Calvin DeHaan against your Kings, ironically, on the play that won them the game, uh, you know. So uh, they, I, 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 don't, I, I don't remember I do that game. New article. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I do have uh, a good article out on uh, on them needing to acquire a, a proven defenseman this off season to not just solely rely on all these all these uh, young kids. So and the different options there. Uh, Oscar Clefbaum is someone. A uh, Clefbaum is someone to keep an eye, keep an eye out for uh, for them possibly in the off season. Um, yeah, I would say getting you know they're kind of in between with the goaltending situation. They have a couple of really talented young net partners, but uh, one's uh, locked down in a contract in Russia and Ilya Sorkin for the next couple of years, and the other one, Linus Soderstrom. Uh, who Russ, our own Russ Cohen thinks is, is better than Sorkin. Um, wow. He's kind of, yeah, he's, he's, uh, he has had a little bit of an injured year this year. So he has a, he had a tremendous year last year, helped his team in the men's league and in the Swiss league, win the championship, uh, the Rangers, uh, top prospect, Leo Anderson was on that team. Um, so, 
they're in good shape for the goaltenders for the future, but they kind of need a solid guy for the next couple of years. Thomas Grice is better than how he played this year. Uh, I have no problem with him being, you know, the 1A kind of guy. But, yeah, they're going to have to go out there. And But and that's the other question is, you know, who's going to, you know, is ownership going to make a change with Gord Snow, who's been there forever? That's been a big topic as well. And then what I just mentioned before, if you change the general manager, you got to let that person uh, Pick his you know, coach. hire their guy. Yeah, so – but I don't know what the well, that's a sticky, really that's a sticky is, situation, is, Chris. Do you do you lose your general manager and when your your obvious superstar player is up for contract negotiations and bring in a new general manager to run those negotiations? Is that well, these, does that these impact? Negotiations have been going on going on for a long time. Uh, you're, yeah, you're right. On, you're right about that. Uh, and they've been going on from the ownership level. I think I think if you do change the GM, I think you have someone very established. I, I don't think it would be fair uh, to uh, you know to you know believe it or not, one of the higher ups in uh, the Island organization, the front office, is a guy by the name of Lamoureux. But his name's Chris Lamoureux. He's actually Lou Lamoureux's son. He's done a lot of good work. But they they need like a Dean Lombardi. They need an experienced hand. Um, uh, if they're going to go, if they're going to change Garth, uh, which I think they should, uh, they, they have to go that route. But but that is, if you're, if I'm ownership, that's something I I do have to think about and have a conversation with because, uh, if, you know, John does have Tavares has a very good relationship with both Garth and Doug Wade. So, but having said that, if they bring in Dean Lombardi, who's a proven Stanley Cup winning GM, I think Tavares is. He's a smart enough cookie to to realize all that, and and he even talked about recently of, you know, he could sign, you know, you know, well well before, uh, you know, July first. So I think most, you know, I know there's a lot of rumors about him. Uh, you read the rumor mill and the, the, the places that put those out and all that, and you know, I'm not saying it's a guarantee he resigns to the Islanders, but he, he, you know, you get the truth serum from most people in the league. They they expect that to happen, but yeah, they got work to do. And and honestly, I don't. You mentioned before, real quick, before we have Dan on. I don't know. There's not really a goalie. I mean, Robert Leonard. I mean, would he be the probably the best no. goalie on the trade market of, <laughs> available? I think he probably is, right? I mean, who else is um, really available on? Although Montreal, who knows? Everything's uh, everything over there is really uh, falling apart. Uh, but I'd be a little worried about Carey Price uh, from an injury standpoint with the with the uh, contract he has uh, the next number of years. So I, I, that's going to be a good question: is where do they go for? There isn't a Ben Bishop in free agency uh, in terms of right. a goaltender this year like there was last year. So I mean, do you go? Is Arundel the next Martin Jones, or is he the next? Uh, uh, who was the other Jonathan guy? Bernier. Jonathan yeah, Bernier. Jonathan Bernier. Yeah, the Jonathan Bernier. Who's playing yeah, good so, in Colorado, though, by the way. <laughs> he is. He is. And, oh, he is. And but he's no, a free agent, I get, I like. get your point, for sure. Uh, well, Dan's yeah, on so, the line now. Let me, let me go ahead and bring oh, in Dan, Dan Harrison, the contributing writer to the Lightning Insider, and he's also a weekly guest on Tampa Bay Lightning Radio Network's Power Play show. Uh, Dan, welcome to the show. Thanks for coming back on, sir. Thanks for having me, guys. 
Let's uh, let's start out with you got a big game tonight. You guys, uh, Boston's coming to town. They're four points back, and so this is a four point game. Um, they could they could open the gap a little bit, or, or Boston could leave nipping at their heels. And lately, uh, it wasn't too long ago that people were engraving Tampa Bay Lightning on the President's Cup. And then we look up, and Nashville's gone on one heck of a streak and passed Tampa for that. But Tampa's coming off uh, five five wins in a row, six of their last eight. They dropped one against Ottawa Tuesday night, so they've got plenty of rest for Boston. Uh, if you could just preview tonight's game a little bit and, and what we can expect about Tampa. Are we going to see an angry team come out of the locker room tonight? Well, you know, the hope here in Tampa is that they will have a little chip on their shoulder just because that Ottawa game you referred to last uh, Tuesday, this past Tuesday, was probably their worst performance of the season. Right. Clearly, clearly the team was looking ahead to this game tonight already. Um, but if you go back to the beginning of the calendar year, Boston has been the best team in the East. You know, overall, uh, for almost overall. Well, well, yeah, but certainly in the arguably, and that's yeah, for sure. That that's certainly the 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 concern on Tampa's part. Now, for the season series, we the the Tampa Bay Lightning still has three games, including tonight, against Boston: two in Tampa, and one wow. one at the TD Garden. Yeah, of oh, the boy. remaining twelve games, there's so that's to crazy. me that that's the beginning of the playoff series between Tampa and Boston. Two out of three so, for the division. Uh, two out of three for the division, exactly. So uh, th- that's that's what's on the ho- on the line for for tonight. Big game, big game. That's one I'm going to be tuned into on my center ice package for sure. Uh, probably the highlight game of the evening for sure. Uh, let's go back a little bit because we've had time to digest the McDonough. Uh, Miller trade there and Nemesikov going the other way with some pieces and parts. What, what was your thoughts at the time? And then now that we've had a chance to digest it, are the players fitting in the way we thought they would there in Tampa? Well, it's a little, it, it actually is a little too early to tell if McDonough's fitting because he actually sat six games after the trade, uh, oh, resting right. the, uh, the, he, he was still healing from the uh, hand wrist injury. But uh, Ryan Miller certainly has come in, and and uh, he's a point-of-game player since the trade. But John Cooper has him lined up on the top line with uh, Steven Stamkos and Nikita Kucherov. Right, Frankly, I could probably go out there and, <laughs> and, and, and get at least a half a point a game. But, uh, right. uh, you know, that, that certainly helps. And... Uh, it's it's good to see that at least in the two games that Ryan McDonough has played, he's gone from 19 minutes to 21 minutes in the second game. Actually scored a goal on a on a no look pass from Stamkos. Uh, so that you know, there's no better way to start fitting in with a new team than putting some points up on the board, even for a defenseman. And the way McDonough jumped in on the on the offensive play on that particular goal uh that's something that other than victor hedman we haven't seen a lot of from the tampa blue liner so that was a good thing to see but uh again i 
the excitement in my voice is for tonight's game. I, I'm just looking forward to seeing Absolutely. the team, both teams, uh, that, that are at top of the East right now. Did they have McDonough skating with Girardi as, as the reunion matchup, or who is he paired up with on the ice? Yeah, he is. You know, every, you know, it's funny. The the most of of Lightning Nation want they were just pining for uh, Erickson to come. They were looking for the trade to 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 get Erickson here from Ottawa. But the 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 thing is, Tampa needed, in my opinion, Tampa needed we. Here in Tampa, we needed a defensive defenseman. And to me, I right. was pushing for McDonough because I think that shutdown, he's already shown improvements helping the TK, which has slid down to 26th in the league. There's, of all the contending playoff teams, Tampa has the worst PK percentage. McDonough should help that a lot. He's got four block shots. Uh, and that's something, you know, I, I said on my radio segment this week that Ryan McDonough has never seen a shot he is, he is, that he isn't afraid to get in front of. And that's something that was sorely needed from from Tampa defensive core as a whole. But, yes, Cooper, right. John Cooper has has paired him up on the, on the second pairing with Girardi, and these guys, how long did they play together in New York? Was it four full seasons? These guys were paired up. That it, it, they they haven't missed a beat, and that's that just bodes well for the Lightning. So that's one of the things I'm going to be looking for tonight. Is I'm going to keep my eye on that on that pairing because um, it's intriguing to see what they're it, like. You say if they haven't missed a beat, I'm going to be looking at that tonight. Well, let me bring in Chris. I know you know Chris. He's got a couple things he wants to get to, Chris. Yeah, Dan. Good to talk to you again. Uh, just to put a bow on the uh, on the uh, McDonough J.T. Miller trade, um, do you think that the the that the Rangers got enough? I mean, do the Ranger fans feel good about this deal? I mean, because I look at it from this standpoint, um, you know, the Lightning are going for it. They added two really good players in McDonough and Miller. And if I was a Lightning fan, I wouldn't feel like we mortgaged the future. We didn't. Yeah, granted, we gave first-round pick this year, uh, but it's going to be a very late pick. It's going to be one of the bottom uh, bottom four picks, most likely, in the first round. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a second round next year, but if they win the Cup, it becomes the first. Granted, but again, we're talking about, you know, hopefully a late first round, the last pick in the first round. But if not, then it's going to be a pick very late in the second and while they gave up two really good prospects in the deal, uh, I, I don't want to say uh, say Craig Button in terms of you know the gospel according to Craig, but he had three other uh, Lightning prospects as their top three. So, so tell me from a Ranger perspective, how would you feel about this? Well, for, for in the short term. There's no question that Ranger fan ought to think, God, we got hosed on this deal, like you said, because it, it will be a low first-round draft pick. Should the Lightning win the Cup this year or next, they get a conditional pick, which will also be a first-round, uh, the Lightning's first-round pick in next year's draft. So let's assume for a second that that the conditional pick is not part of the deal. Brett Howden 
who was one of the prospects. That kid's going to be, he was earmarked in, from Steve Iserman's perspective as a top six forward. He's a big, I think it's 6'2". He's a big center, big net front presence. That kid is, I think he's going to be a very good top six forward. So in the short term, Rangers fans look at, well, this, this is a bad deal. But three years from now, four years from now, that deal, depending on who they end up getting in, in that first round or possibly two first rounders. Now, the other kid who was thrown in, Libor Hajek, that he was a second-round draft pick that should have been a first-round, but the only reason from reports I've read that he went into, into the second round was because uh, the, the NHL teams weren't sure if he was going to play. There were talks that he was going to end up playing in the KHL, so some teams didn't want to, didn't want to use a first-round pick for him. But in Steve Eiserman's opinion and his scouting department's opinion, that was a first-round draft pick. So I think that should Howden and Hajek turn out to be what what scouting reports say they're going to be, I think there's a pretty good foundation for Rangers for the Rangers organization. Like I said, in about three years, you'll see. Now, Nemistikov, uh, to me, Nemistikov and Miller are pretty much the same kind of player. Uh, uh, a 20 goal, 20 to 25 goal scorer, depending on who their line mates are. So that those two kind of cancel each other out. McDonough. But Nemistikov is more of a natural center, though, right? Center is his natural position, but okay. because because the Lightning have had a uh, – they, they have a, a, a gluttony of centers when you look at Stamkos and uh, Tyler Johnson, Braden Point. So it was tough for Nemistikov to play his natural position. So yeah, that won't be a the problem wing, with the Rangers. Okay, so so even even more so. And right. to be honest with you, Nemistikov – uh, John Cooper was using the Misnikov in certain defensive zone faceoffs, even though he wasn't one of the the centers, just because of his abilities in in the circle. I want to talk about John Cooper a little bit before I uh, inch back over there to Mark. And I'm biased. Uh, I'm a Hofstra University grad. Uh, John Cooper has uh, uh, got Hofstra roots. So Long Island roots, so I'm biased. But even putting that aside, I think he's done a heck of a job for Tampa. Uh, and I'm plus I love Cooper's story of really, you know, how he became an NHL coach. And uh, mm-hmm. I would gobble him up in a minute. But having said all that, if you know the Lightning had a disappointing playoffs, um, you know, right now let's assume that they they win the division. You know, they they could get a red-hot Florida Panther team in the first round mm-hmm. of the playoffs. Or maybe they get Corey Schneider, Devils team. Um, or maybe they win the first round and, and get a Boston Bruins team and, and lose in the second round. I mean, let's face it, with this latest trade, it's Stanley Cup or bust uh, the next couple of years. Anything short 
of that. Uh, I mean, in recent in recent history, you know, the Lightning have gotten very far in the playoffs. You know, they got to the mm-hmm. Cup final uh, a few years ago. Now, they got to Game Six of that series. They got within one goal a couple of years ago against the this. Then uh, wound up being the Stanley Cup champs of the Penguins. If they were to have a disappointing playoff, is it possible that John Cooper's job could be in jeopardy in Tampa? Well, I I think uh, if they can somehow avoid a first round sweep, I think Cooper is safe. Mm-hmm. But okay. I, I want to peel. I'd like to peel that. And listen, I'm a John Cooper fan. He's won at every level he's coached. But I'll yep. tell you the issues that that for me have been creeping up, and certainly a lot of fans here in Tampa have have noticed this. Let's take a look at the three seasons, Cooper's first three seasons with the team when Ben Bishop was the bona fide number one goaltender. He was averaged 62 games in those three seasons. Number one, he was he was number one among all starting NHL goalies in number of games during those three seasons. The first season, they won the Atlantic Division got swept in the first round because Bishop got hurt second to the last game in the regular season. He missed that first series and, and uh, they got swept in the first round against Montreal. The second season is the Stanley cup season. And if you remember against Chicago, Bishop missed was injured. He missed one and a half games. And he missed, he got hurt after the Lightning took a 2-1 lead in that series. Go to the third year, and that was the year that they lost to the Penguins in the Eastern Conference Finals. Bishop got hurt in the first game of the Eastern Conference Finals, missed the rest of that series. And, you know, Vasilevsky was the backup then, 21 years old, and he he was the only goalie that playoff season well. He took. He did play well, but they fell short. He wasn't the number one goalie, and I started thinking. You know, it just occurred to me that John Cooper was overusing his goalie in that those three seasons. And look, if you're gonna, you gotta. To me, you have to. You just have to have, be as healthy and as rested as you can for the playoffs. And I I fast forward to the current season. Andre Vasilevsky is 23 years old. The most games he's ever played in one season was five years ago in the KHL. When he was 18, he played 46 games. He's already at 57 this season. He's on a pace to play 67 games. And think about if they were to make it four rounds into the playoffs, he's going to double his most games played in one season. A week and a half ago, Andre Vasilevsky told the beat writer for the Tampa Bay Times, Joe Smith, he told him, I'm battling, I'm battling fatigue right now because arguably over the last month, he has played some pretty bad hockey. He's letting in almost four goals a game. When he was at the beginning of the season, he was lights out. Now, his numbers are still very good, but my concern with John Cooper, 
to get back to your question is, I think he's, you know, it's tough. It must be tough for an NHL coach. Do we go for the win? Do I keep, I have to, he's got to ride that, that fence because you want to give your number one goalie enough work to keep fresh, but you don't want to overuse them. And frankly, I don't think it's as important to be, to certainly not the president's trophy is how important is it to be the number one seed if it means your goalie's going to blow a tire and miss the playoff series then the season for me in my opinion it was all for naught well just to follow up on that, that real quick oh i'm sorry dan go ahead i was just gonna say i think that all rests with john cooper you know how do you down there do you guys have a feel before and i'll truly hand you off to more here uh have a feel of the relationship between Eisenman and Cooper, I mean, is is like like uh, is Eisenman, you know, he's fully invested in John Cooper. He thinks he's got one of the best coaches in the league. Obviously, he he must like him, but does he also, like you said, see some flaws? And there was a disappointment. I'm not gonna, and I'm not predicting there will be, but I'm just curious. You know, there's a lot on the line. They made some bold moves. And rightfully so. We talked about that on this show. They were poised to do so and right to put their chips into the middle of the table. But uh, how's the relationship between Eisman and Cooper? Is that kind of a big unknown? Well, all indications are that it's a good relationship. But here's the thing with Steve Eiserman. He plays everything so close to the vest right. that that it's hard, it's difficult. You could You could shadow the guy for two weeks straight and probably not get 10 words out of it. So it's, it's difficult to know at any one point in time. And I'll give you a perfect example on the morning of the trade deadline, Steve Eiserman, it's rare, but he told the local press, it doesn't look like we're going to get a deal done today. And that was it. That was the extent of the announcement. And then he, he arguably pulls off the biggest trade of the, of the deadline season. So who knows? Well, we're talking with Dan Harrison on the Vegas Hockey Podcast. Go ahead. I was going to say, I'll tell you this. I think Steve Arsman's relationship with John Cooper is certainly better than his relationship with any in the media. (laughs) No (laughs) doubt about that. Well, I'll go on record as joining you guys. I'm, I'm a big fan of John Cooper, his style of play. Um, I don't think he gets enough credit for sort of bringing, uh, you know, they talk about the new NHL style. And I think post lockout, um, Cooper has been at the forefront with his system. Um, I've called it, I've, I've likened it to Jerry Tarkanian's Amoeba defense in an in a odd sort of way, <laughs> is that there's always moving parts on that team. And there, there's no stagnation. There's no back to the point, over to the left side, down in the corner. They do play that style when they need to. They're capable of playing that style when they need to. But there's always rotation. There's always low to high, side to side. And, and I, I, I think there's a lot of coaches out there that have emulated his style from 2010, 2011, 2012 onto what we see with teams like like the Golden Knights who play a, a very similar style to the Tampa Bay Lightning. Um, so I, I, 
like you said, if they even if they get swept in the first round, I I losing John Cooper for Tampa Bay, I don't think he would have trouble getting another job the next day. Um the big John Cooper fan here. I really like what he does. One one last question. Um and and you you guys sort of touched on it a little bit. I wanted to um Budai is still the backup there, right? Correct. So let's say let's say boss uh Tampa wins tonight and they open up a little bit of a cushion there, even though like you said, two games left against Boston. How much work can Cooper trust Peter Budai with down the stretch? Um I think they have you said twelve games left after tonight. If if he could sandwich three starts for Budai in those 12 games. Is that going to be enough to get Vasilevsky recharged and ready for a deep playoff run? I, I would, I would hope so. And, and it's 12 games, including tonight, but here's, here's the, here's the question is how important is it to John Cooper to finish ahead of Boston? Because if John Cooper feels that, that the lightning has to be the number one seed in the East, then we're probably going to see seven, eight, nine games from Vasilevsky out of the remaining 12, including tonight. If, if Cooper knows or feels that, listen, if we, if we come in number two, then I'm going to, I'm going to start resting Andre Vasilevsky after tonight. Then I think we'll only see four or five games from him because and and I really think John Cooper ought to consider that because right now the Lightning are the best road team in the NHL, and we all know that even if look every every playoff team wants home ice, but if you have a very good road team that is healthy and rested, all they have to do is steal one game, one road game, and they they flip the home ice back. So sure, it, it depends. The answer to your question depends on how much value John Cooper is going to put on being that number one seed from the East. I'm hoping he 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 looks at the makeup of his team and says, you know what, boys, even if we if we're if we have to to we we're the number two seed, we can still pull this thing off. If 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 that's his feeling, then I think I think we'll see a lot of Peter Budai over the next twelve twelve games. If if Cooper is dead set on, right, and there's a there's a game with Nashville left, where I think the team is going to want to make a statement. I'd love to see just Vasilevsky play the three Boston games, the Toronto game, and Nashville, and call it a regular season. I got a feeling it's going to be more than that, though. Yeah, Dan, uh, uh, I think we might have lost smoke there for a second, but uh, then I I hear what you're saying, and I'm not trying to. You know, Toronto's got a lot of pros, but they have some cons too, and they heavily rely, rely on Frederick Anderson. But you know what? I mean, that would be a dangerous. Don't get me wrong. All these teams uh, are very close, and they they have different uh, different avenues of worry. But if they fell to the two spot, they would have home ice in the first round still, but they would face a Toronto team. Is that any more of a concern than facing? a Florida or New Jersey or a Philly or Columbus? Well, you know, I think the teams in the East that, that 
the lightning would not would be should be concerned about yep. in no particular order would be Florida, Toronto, and Boston. Simply because those teams they do play that kind of fast game, but all three of those teams play a lot heavier than the Lightning do. Just like Vegas does. Vegas plays a very they, they are very fast, but they can they can hit and play a physical game. It's one of the reasons I think Vegas took two out of two from the Lightning this season is because they can match one of the few teams that can match the Lightning in terms of pure speed. They got a lot on the line. I, I you know, I expect a deep a deep run. I mean, to me, they're they are. I know the Penguins are the two-time champs, so you have to be fair about that. Although I got to figure sooner or later, and I know they're on a good run, but and they looks like going to cement themselves. But sooner or later, the the uh, you know the last couple will catch up with them in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. So uh, uh, so if they do face a Tampa team coming conference finals, have to wonder, you know, how much uh how much that gas they're gonna have left in the tank at that point. I would agree with that. It's tough. You know, the short summers, the 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 long regular and postseason, it, it takes its toll. After one season, I can't imagine what it's like after two. Yeah. Uh, well said. Uh all right, Dan, tell everybody where they can find find your great stuff, both uh both on the on the radio and your articles. On, on Lightning, in, sure, at lightninginsider.com. You'll see my, my articles there. Uh, on social media, at Dan Herrijohn, H-E-R-R-E-J-O-N. And uh, on the radio, on iHeartRadio, Tampa Bay Lightning Radio Network. Uh, Dan, it's a pleasure having you on. We're definitely going to dip in to try to get you back during the playoffs. And uh, uh, I, I think it's going to be some uh, real fun spring for the Lightning. Well, enjoy the game tonight. I think it's going to be a preview of what we're going to see come the postseason. All righty. Thanks, Dan. Have a Thanks good one. Thanks for having me, guys. You got All right, it. Take care. Okay, so that will wrap up the show. We'll be back next week, same bad time, same bad channel. I'm working on a couple different possible guests. We're either going to have a Florida Panthers guest or an Anaheim Ducks guest, so that's how I'll leave it at that. All right, until next week, everyone, enjoy the hockey and have a good one.